Hello, hello, and welcome to Decaf, a production of the Beacon Center of Tennessee. Taylor and Mark are back with you, and boy, oh boy, is it great to be here in the year of our Lord 2024 with some fresh, new, exciting poll results. Um, Before we get into what we get paid to talk about, I would be remiss if I did not say that if I was not getting married in 2024, I would not be so happy about this year. I will drink out of my Alabama cups until the day that I die, and I will love the Crimson Tide till the day that I die. But I know that people who listen to this podcast get immense pleasure in Alabama's downfall because of me. And to all of you who text me about it, you got what you wanted. Mark couldn't be happier because he won his bets and hates Alabama. Um, But I'll just say go Huskies for the next week because I would never cheer for Michigan. But we're on the same page. I, so I'm, there's ready that. For the, I'm ready for the Huskies as well. I hope that Washington is able to win. Um, and the biggest issue is Alabama should not have been there in the first place. And that was my biggest issue the whole time. I don't usually I... root against Alabama that hard. I'm, I'm usually okay, but they did not deserve to be there. That should have been Florida State. Um, so say what we want, but that is the biggest issue. But we should see a good national championship game. I'm excited. It'll be very close. I think I have Michigan, but I'm cheering for Washington. I, you said say what you want, and I won't because I, we would be on here for an hour because I got a lot to say. But um, yeah, go Washington. Never Michigan again. Boo Harbaugh. Okay. So <laughs> to what we're talking about now, it is January 4th, which means it is poll result day at the Beacon Center. Um, we've had the poll results for a minute. And we want to fill you in on everything that went down and how Tennesseans are feeling about policy issues and political issues as of January 2024. Um, With the legislative session starting next week, I think it's important for us to really understand what Tennesseans are thinking because the things that are going to be going on over the next few months will directly impact their wallets, um, how they're able to provide for their family and their livelihoods. And so we need to know where Tennesseans land on some of these important issues. Plus, it's also fun to know where Tennesseans land, especially on issues of national politics, which is what we're going to get into first. There will be a U.S. Senate race in 2024 in in Tennessee. There will be a presidential election in 2024. Things are getting spicy this year. So, Mark, Let's jump in and let's start smaller and get bigger. Starting smaller, something that's only pertinent to Tennessee right now, U.S. Senate election. The Democratic primary is heating up. There are a lot of voters who are undecided. What do the results say and what do you take from that? Well, let's start with where we were at last time. So Marsha Blackburn kind of led the field of Democratic uh candidates. Um, but what was interesting is Marquita Bradshaw actually performed better than Gloria Johnson against her. Uh, she was only down by 12, or I think Gloria Johnson was down by 20. So let's fast forward to this time, and we actually just did a Democratic primary. So we know okay. Marquita Bradshaw performs better in the general election. Does she perform better in the primary? The answer is a resounding no, she does not. <laughs> um, Gloria yeah. Johnson <laughs> is just hammering her. She's up by 30 points. Um, but like what you said, Really important is Gloria Johnson at 41, Marquita Bradshaw at 11, but the plurality of voters, 45%, say, I'm not sure. So they still don't know who they're voting for. And that's a really big number. With that being said, you know, Gloria Johnson is in a really good position because essentially 
you know, Marquita Bradshaw have to win about four out of every five of those voters in order to make up, you know, a 30 point disadvantage. So she's in a yeah. good spot. She's raised a lot of money and she's clearly starting to spend it. So right now, um, I mean, I think Vegas would certainly say Gloria Johnson is the favorite to face <laughs> off against uh, Marsha Blackburn in the general election. But that number, we cannot emphasize that enough. That is a huge number that is undecided. And it it depends on these candidates left to who can get those 45% of voters. Of course, they won't all go to one or the other. But 45% of voters, that's a lot of voters to, to snatch up. And it depends on how you spend your money, what you're saying. Can you resonate with them? I, uh, I will be interested in our next poll, which will be in April, which we'll talk about more later, to see if either campaign or the third candidate that is running can close that gap a little bit and turn some of those undecideds into uh, sold out positive votes. And let, let me add one thing, too, because I think it's important is we don't know necessarily what this voter universe is going to look like, because in Tennessee, mm -hmm. you're able to choose whatever primary you want to vote in. And some of that could depend on what happens to the presidential race. You know, for example, if, you know, the Democratic primary is also not for president, and they say, oh, the Republican primary is competitive. A Democrat could say, I'm going to vote in the Republican primary and then vice versa. If, you know, say Trump is the nominee, they say, well, I'm interested to vote in this Democratic primary for whatever reason. There used to be the Operation Chaos, but... If you looked at our last poll, Republicans certainly prefer Marquita Bradshaw over Glory Johnson. And a number of them said they would vote for her over Marsha Blackburn. So this what? is tough, and it's a small sample size. I really want to reiterate that. Um, it's only about 300 and something, you know, Democratic likely voters. So there's a lot of time left, and I would be, you know, I wouldn't want to make too many assumptions based on these numbers, other than the fact that if you're Glory Johnson right now, you have to feel pretty good about the results. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that's spicy in itself, but I think that some of our presidential election results are even spicier. Um, we asked some really fascinating questions this time. One that I think is most fascinating, which we'll get to in a second, Mark, I want you to go through the numbers of Trump versus Biden versus RFK, because those seem to be the top three front runners. But then we asked, what if the front runners didn't run? And that is what I think is like such... It boggles my mind that we even asked that question, but I love that we did, and I love to see what people said. So, Mark, kind of go through some of those election or election uh, poll results for me and tell us what it looks what? like. Well, essentially, everything is unchanged from last time. Um, Trump was beating sure. uh, Biden by 31 points head-to-head. -head. This time, he's winning by 32, so very minimal change. Um, last time, when you put RFK Jr. in, uh, Trump led uh, Biden by 25 points. He now leads by 26 points, so it's very similar. Um, RFK Jr.'s number dropped a bit. I think it went from 21% uh, to, to um, 16%. Still a really high number for a third-party candidate. Um, but it, it's it's essentially unchanged from last time. And, and we did the Republican primary, too, where, you know, Trump is just running away with it. Um, you know, he's up by 60 points on Ron DeSantis. One note I would say is that nationally, it seems like Nikki Haley's picking up a lot of steam as kind of the okay. you know, alternate to Trump. Not in Tennessee. She's a, a, a clear third yeah. at 7%. I mean, she... They have all, you know, the field is pretty limited to those three. You know, I think Ramaswani's at 2%, um, but, it, but it really is kind of, you know, Trump by a mile and then DeSantis and then Haley in, in the pecking order. But the question of who would you vote for if Trump or if Biden did not run in these primaries, that to me, the, the Republican primary result was not entirely surprising, but the Democratic primary result I thought was 
absolutely fascinating. Mark, walk us through what happened there. Well, I agree with you completely on that. I think the Democratic one was very surprising based on kind of what our preconceived notion is. So if Joe Biden were not to run for whatever reason, you know, if if he retired, if he chose not to run, if they forced him out, whatever, um, the favorite of Democratic primary voters would actually be Kamala Harris at 27 percent support. Um, you know, she has been really lambasted because of her really poor approval ratings. Um, but he, if Biden doesn't run, she is the favorite of Democratic voters in Tennessee. Now, I will mention that 27 percent is much less than the front run on the Republican side. So it's not a it's not any kind of referendum on anybody. It's saying she's barely the front runner and she is followed closely um, by Bernie Sanders at 19 percent. The, you know, 2020 nominee, uh, I'm sorry, 2016 nominee Hillary Clinton at 18 percent. So those are the top three. Now, what is super interesting is the media has been trying to push Gavin Newsom as this guy where if, if Biden would not run, that he's the guy. Not in Tennessee. He comes in around 12%, which is way behind those three. And, and you know, despite the idea mm-hmm. that the whole media is making him seem like the, you know, the heir apparent if Biden doesn't run. And then uh, and then uh, Secretary of Transportation uh, Buttigieg comes in at, at uh, 9%. I mean, I think that's so fascinating that on the Republican primary side, which you can see on our, you'll be able to see on our website, Ron DeSantis absolutely runs away with it if Trump doesn't win. But on the Democratic side, it's so close that even the front runner of Kamala, Vice President Kamala Harris doesn't even have 10% over the next candidate that would be in line. That, to me, is fascinating. And you're right, the, the media golden boy, California Governor Gavin Newsom, way down there, fourth place among Tennesseans. And so you have to wonder, like, is the media out of touch or is Tennessee an outlier? And I think you know what I think, and I think we'll talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> I'll give Gavin Newsom some credit. He has a great PR team. That guy does excellent PR. When oh, he yeah. makes him, I mean, I mean, he's on Fox News. He's debating people, and he's acting like he's the heir apparent. It seems like people kind of bought that. But, the, yeah, our poll shows that he is definitely not the first choice of Democratic voters. Um, And like you said, not only is, is Kamala Harris only at 27%, that is, I mean, she's, she's, that's one fourth of the electorate. That means there's like 73% who prefer someone else. So that would be really interesting if that happened. Um, the, the Republican one's a little bit, is interesting as well in a different way. So if Trump doesn't run, DeSantis is the clear front runner, 46% mm-hmm. of Republican primary voters, you know, clear in a way the, the guy. Now, what's interesting is if you take, you know, you look at the normal one, you expect Nikki Haley second. She is not. She's only at 14%. So if Trump doesn't run, she doesn't get that much of a bump. Who does get the bump is uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who's up from 2% to 18%, which makes a lot of sense because he's really aligned himself with President Trump in the primary. So the idea is if for some reason Trump were not to run, you know, whether it was legal or his choice or whatever, um, that Ramaswamy would probably be the choice of many of his supporters. Although, like we see, uh, DeSantis would probably be the choice of more of them. Well, we also asked about that legal question, the conviction question. And interestingly, even if Trump is convicted of the crimes that he has been accused of, Tennesseans are still going to vote for him. Some of them gave it a conditional response. It depends on what the crimes are. But overwhelmingly, right, Mark? I mean, Tennesseans are still in it. Yeah, big time. I mean, and, and I do think that truthfully, the national media has done a bad job representing this question. There's been a lot of polls like, oh, 90 percent said they'd vote for him, whether he's convicted or not. Uh, we asked the question that I think is a lot better than most of the polls, because like you said, we put a conditional response. So if he was charged with one or more of the crimes, 63 percent of Trump voters said they'd still vote for him. What's interesting is 22 percent of voters said it would depend on the specific circumstances. Thanks. 
which I think, okay. you know, I think it's a fair, you know, fair response. I think that people view the charges differently, right? They might view this, whatever the New York one of, you know, paying off Stormy Daniels potentially as maybe not that big of a deal. Uh, maybe some of the election related ones, if something else were to come out, they don't know currently, that could be a bigger deal. So uh, 22% said they're not sure they might vote for him. It depends on the specifics. And 9% said they definitely would not vote for him. Uh, but I really feel like, truthfully, the national media has done a bad job representing that because they only ask, would you vote for him or not? And mm -hmm. There's people are more nuanced than just yes or no. It depends. It depends what they happens are. specifically. So I think our our question was so much better than anything we've seen. But yeah, the, the, the truth is that most Trump voters are with him no matter what. And I think a lot of them see this as, you know, he was unfairly charged. Uh, he, he was, I, you know, put in this position because of, you know, liberal DAs or liberal politicians. So in their mind, it's like, it doesn't matter to me. I'm going to vote for him either way. I, I do think, and we'll get to that national media trust and distrust and what people think of it shortly but i think that that is a really good indicator if you're really looking into the results do people trust the national media does what the national media ha say have any effect on them or how they vote but before we get to the fun questions let's talk about what i think are the most fun questions which are our policy questions um if you have been watching the news at all in the last month you will remember that recently governor lee announced his intention for his educational freedom scholarship program, which would essentially be a statewide education savings account for all Tennessee students and families to be eligible for. If you remember last year, um, there is currently an ESA program for Davidson County, Shelby County, and Hamilton County. Um, Governor Lee proposed a program for the entire state. And we asked about Tennessee's favorability of that, and the results were enough to make my heart sing, Mark. Let's hear them. Yeah, well, ultimately, you know, there's been a lot of talk about ESAs uh, in, in you know, the past few months. And you would expect the results would look a lot different than they did, you know, when we polled this about six months ago. They don't. They look almost identical to when we polled them. Um, the approval went down from 69% to 68%, so one point, And the disapproval went up two points. So it's essentially unchanged, even when you attach Governor Lee's name to it, which we did in the question. You know, we asked the question the mm -hmm. same way, um, basically asking people if they would, if they would, support this overall and, and we mentioned the fact that it's private schools but we mentioned that it was you know governor lee's plan and it just didn't change pretty much anything which is you know i think it's really interesting and it shows that there is widespread support for esas or for educational choice at a statewide level and same as we saw before really popular among republicans 85 percent of republicans support it but popular among everyone 56 percent of democrats 56 percent of independents support it so it's a very popular concept going to the legislative session and I think that, that everyone should know that. I mean, what were the numbers? We also asked another question about would you be more or less likely to vote for your legislator if they did or didn't support a program like this? And support for school choice heavily impacts people's votes, does it not, Mark? Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about over 50% of people, that's a huge deal. So according to that, 51% of Tennesseans said they would be more likely to vote for a legislator that supports statewide ESAs. 11% um, said they'd be more likely to vote against them, and 27% said it wouldn't make a difference in their vote. So yeah, I mean, when you're talking about over half of the state would be more likely to vote for a legislator who supports educational choice, that's a strong number. And, you know, truthfully, 
the overall numbers are important, but that might make legislators take a little bit more note of that when you say this could be my job. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting tidbit. Still, a, a pretty decent percentage, about a quarter of Tennesseans said, you know, I, you know, a lot of them might support, but they said it wouldn't impact their vote. But fifty-one percent of people said it would make them more likely to vote for them, which is a, a very big number. <laughs> yeah, that's a strong number that uh, that should be at the front of every of every mind going into this session. Um, property tax cap. We also asked about that. So in the last few years, local governments have been raising, raising, raising property taxes. I'm sure we all remember what happened in 2020 when the businesses were shut down and Nashville increased by 34%. As a matter of fact, we featured property tax increases in our pork report this year because they have been so egregious. And some may argue that it should stop or it should be at least limited as to what local governments can do when it comes to increasing property taxes. And honey, the Tennesseans agree. I think these numbers are a very strong indicator that Tennesseans are sick and tired of their property taxes going up, up, and up, and they don't really trust their local governments to stop doing that. Mark, what were the numbers? Well, I mean, the, the, the number we'll start with is the lowest number, which is only 11% of voters think we should leave property taxes as they are now, which is strictly up to the local mayor and the city council or county commission. So that they do not like it the way it is. Now, people are split otherwise, but 74% of voters do believe the state government should get, get involved in some way in terms of regulating property taxes. Um, okay. 35% supported a straight up property tax cap saying you can't raise it more than this. That's it, 3 4%, whatever the number is. And then another 39% thought there should be some combination of statewide regulation with local decision-making. So it's saying not one or the other fully, mm-hmm. um, but some kind of c- connection. But they want the state government involved, which they are not currently involved. Now, when you ask the specific question of, would you support a property tax cap if the property tax increases had to be approved by voter referendum? Meaning, mm-hmm. yes, you know, say that, whatever, Hamilton County wants to raise taxes by 20%. You get to vote on whether they get to raise a 20% or not. It's up to you. So it's not just saying you can or mm-hmm. can't. It's saying you get to decide. And when you put it that way, 67% of Tennesseans agreed that they would support that property tax cap. Only 13% uh, disagreed. And uh, not surprisingly, an astonishing 80% of Republicans agreed that there should be a property tax cap with the voter referendum attached. You know, I've said it a million times. If you want to raise our taxes, just convince me as to why. Tell me my trash is going to be picked up and not that it's going to go to another dumb stadium or pickleball court. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you want to raise them and you want to provide goods and services and fix the road out in front of my house that's got a giant pothole in it, then let's talk. (laughs) But if you're going to try to raise it and your pitch is, I want to build a pickleball court and give a fast food chain a bajillion dollars, then there's no discussion to be had. And I think that a lot of people feel that way. I think that there's been a lot of egregious cases of government just spending money on frivolous things, frivolous to us. Of course, it looks good on their resumes, but frivolous to us. And people are getting sick of it. Like times are tight. Grocery bills have gone up like four, like four times over the last 10 years. Like, give me a break. Don't raise my taxes unless you're going to pick out my trash and come wash my car every week. That's not even the role of government. I don't even want that. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I think the <laughs> idea is too that people, whether or not you think property tax should go up, not go up, whatever. I think that, you know, people expect to plan for things. And, you know, some of these places are, like we said, raising property taxes 50, 60, 70% in some of these places. So you can't, you know, if you're on a, on a tight budget, you can't plan. So I do think that's where a lot of the, you know, emphasis came on. And 
I think it's really telling that only 11% of people are like, yeah, let's keep it as it is now. People want a change when it comes to property taxes in some way, and they basically want to not stop paying so much of property taxes and want the state government involved a little bit more so that they're, they're not, you know, having to pay huge percentages. I, I totally agree. Well, um, there are a lot of great results, and you can see them all at beaconpoll.com. But before we kind of wrap up, we also wouldn't be ourselves if we didn't ask some fun questions. And if you've listened to this podcast ever before in your entire life, you will know that Mark and I, we we applaud our local media when they do good things. Um, we also call it out when it's not so good. But the national media is not always a friend of ours. And honey, it's not a friend to most Tennesseans either. We ask Tennesseans how much they trust national media versus their local media. And uh, the results... To me, were not surprising. What about you, Mark? Actually, they were kind of surprising um, to me. I, I'm surprised <laughs> how much they do trust the national media based on what we're oh, seeing. Fair. It's not a huge number, and and you know, and I think when you go to the idea of trusting it a lot, it, it really drops down. So for the national uh -huh. media, only 22 percent, or I'm sorry, 51 percent of Tennesseans say that they have you know some trust in the media. It could be you know. A lot of trust or, you know, a medium amount of trust. And 51% said that. 66% of people said they trust local media to some extent, which is a, a big, okay. you know, that's a big number. But when you go to how many people trust them a lot, right, only 11% trust national media a lot, while 22% trust them at all. And the local media is kind of a flip number yeah. where 15% trust it a lot, only 9% don't trust local, local news at all. So it's interesting. It kind of goes to this general thing that, you know, all of it's local. I, I do happen to think that we have a lot better statewide media outlets or local media outlets in the state than national. Uh, people do agree. Um, but honestly, I feel pretty good if I'm lo local media saying 66% of people trust us to some extent. Yeah, it might not be a lot, a but they do trust us sometimes. Yeah, national media, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people who don't trust them a lot, but there is some trust in it. I think a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not really sure. And, you know, national media is an entire big thing, right? That could include CNN. It could include Fox News. It could include MSNBC. So whatever side you're on, you might trust some of it. Um, but it's interesting, and it kind of goes with what we expect in the way that, yeah, Local media is just more trusted. It's closer to the people. It's more local. And I think okay. you're less likely to think that it's, you know, super politically motivated. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, you know, you see your local news anchors and stuff at the gym and at the grocery store and, and your newspaper reporters and stuff. And you're more likely to trust people you see a lot, whereas a lot of the national media anchors and stars are just that. They're stars. And people don't really, you don't, you don't really trust that, especially when they're fighting at each other all the time let me tell you who's the star is dennis farrier i went to listen uh, to this i went to a coffee with him you know i, I try to catch up with media people you know i, I like dennis a lot me I, I consider him a friend um we went there it's like everyone knew who he was if people were coming up to him saying hey i know you i love you it was crazy it felt like he was a celebrity i was sitting with and even the people who didn't say stuff like they'd walk into the coffee shop like I recognize you. It's crazy. He is he is the closest thing we have to a national celebrity, but it is it is wild, you know, sitting there and just having people person after person after person recognize him. Like, you know, nobody recognizes me. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, oh, well, no, well, I guess I'll just kind of sit yeah. in the back seat here. It's just Mark. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't wish hometown fame on a on a better person. Um uh one other interesting result that we asked, and I actually did not know we were asking this question until the results came back. 
And I thought it was really funny, especially considering I went to Trader Joe's last night for my weekly grocery haul. And Blake and I eat salmon like pretty much once a week. Like we are just, we're, we're salmon eaters. And there was not a single fresh salmon in sight. There was also no lettuce. Basically all the healthy foods were gone. And it checks out because we asked Tennesseans to pick their top, pick all of the potential New Year's resolutions that applied. We gave them a lot of options. The number one choice that everyone picked had something to do with weight management and personal health. And listen, good for you guys, okay? But I'm not darkening the doors of the YMCA in Green Hills until all y'all get sick of exercising next month. And I can't wait to go back to Trader Joe's and get my fresh salmon and all my little veggies. Even the cucumbers were gross. I'm like, guys, there's always a million cucumbers here. What y'all doing? But I did think that was like really interesting that most of the top five selections had to do with mental health, um, physical health, or financial health. Um, mental health also encompassing health of their relationships. But I don't know, Mark. I'm not a New Year's resolution girl. Like, I don't really... Do you do that? Yeah, I don't do that. I have a big Excel sheet of all the things I want to do. I, I just, so I, I know I, I'm weird because I, I always like a starting point. So like, you know, if I eat really unhealthy Friday, I'll be like, well, I'll start eating well Monday. Like I just, I need a starting you point. And, New Year's, and, and honestly, you know, I know a lot of people don't do their New Year's resolutions. I, I tend to do mine, not, not a hundred percent what I want, but I tend to try to stick with them. So I'm going to have in a, and I think that the key is from my opinion is that you got to give yourself a little bit of leeway. So it's like, you know. If I say, you know, I'm not going to drink this year, it's like, yeah, I'm not going to drink, say, 42 out of 52 weeks, something like that, where you give yourself a little leeway. But like, I, I'm trying to do, hell, I, I got this one wrong, but 10,000 steps a day, uh, which I, I accidentally said is 1,000 steps a day in our in our team meeting. And everyone thought I was, yeah, the, that was, la- dumb. Everyone thought I was the laziest person ever because I thought, I said, I, my goal is to do 1,000 steps a day. It's like, you get that go to the bathroom. So 10,000 steps a day. Uh, but I kind of did that in like, yeah, I want to do, I actually want to do 70,000 steps a week. So I don't have to make that every day. And it's a lot easier if, you, like if you miss a day or not. So I do care. And, you know, most of my, uh, most of mine were, were, you know, on par with the top ones there. I think the weight loss, fitness improvement's good. The be- the managing money better. Um, and and mm-hmm. the mindfulness for sure. I mean, one of my, one of my real goals is to, make sure I'm more positive this year and kind of look at the bright side of things and and not be so negative or down when something bad happens. Well, Blake and I are uh, shredding for the wedding, as we call it. I heard it on a Bravo show. As you call um, it. Everyone shredding. calls it that. That's been like a thing for 10 oh, years. I've never known that people call it that. I just heard it on one of my Bravo shows. Oh, gosh. But um, <laughs> that's what we are doing. But we also started it in November. So it's not really a New Year's resolution but we are getting on that fitness grind which made me so mad to see all these little healthy girls in their leggings like reading all of the labels of these foods and not knowing what they were so like i'll see y'all in a month actually i won't see y'all in a month because i'm gonna take walks outside and do youtube workouts until the y is no longer absolutely slammed let's try not to shame them it's good they're trying to make themselves better let's let's be positive about this be like hey good for you you're trying to improve yourself you're trying to improve yourself and I will see the employees of the YMCA in Green Hills in one month when everybody and hopefully you'll also hopefully you'll also see the same people. That's the goal, right? If not, then you have more yeah, time. Yeah, you're so. way more positive than I am because you probably got all your groceries that you wanted this weekend. I, 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 I don't even get groceries. Like I, I should I, that should be my thing is stop ordering so much Uber Eats. That should be my number one goal. It, that <laughs> should be your thing. That absolutely should be your thing. Well, before we head out, let's just tell everyone. 
thank you for supporting our poll. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for reading and listening to all the things that we do. Um, Beaconpoll.com is where you can find all the results, interactive results, um, really pretty maps of voter of what voters think over time and all of the cross tabs everything like that and in april you'll get another one that's the great thing about a quarterly poll you just keep getting more um we're so thankful to be able to work in an organization that lets us do a fun little project like this it's not really a little project it's a big project but a fun project like this that we get to really see what tennesseans think because if we were just in our beacon office with all 13 of us just deciding what to work on who would we be helping so it's really great to be able to see how ten- what Tennesseans think of things, gut check our assumptions as policy nerds, and then move forward to better serve people and keep Tennessee free. Um, also this year, Beacon is celebrating 20 years, and you're going to hear a lot more about that. But 2024 is our birthday year. We're 20. I don't know if 20 is like a milestone that you can actually do anything like as a person. Like we, we can't drink as an organization yet. We can't even rent a car yet. But... 20 years is still a really big deal, uh, and you're going to hear a lot more about that soon. But right now, as you sign off from listening to this, visit beaconpoll.com, check through those results, see what you agree with, see what you think is weird, and let us know. And if there are questions that you think would be interesting to ask Tennesseans, we are all ears. We want to know because Mark's got a lot of creativity in there, but we've gotten good suggestions in the past. So don't be shy. Send them to us. And let me say two more things. If it wasn't for John Becker, he, he's from WBIR. He's the one who, who gave, gave me that idea to ask the local national media question. So that was a great suggestion okay. by him, one of the anchors there. And we're going to be talking about tonight on, on WBIR. Uh, and last but not least, I need to thank the people who are behind the scenes who do this. Um, Taylor does the entire website. She did that. Uh, Dylum and Olivia, our former intern, uh, who still kind of you know works for us sometimes, uh, <laughs> uh, did a great job fact checking, looking at all the numbers, making sure we have Randy, our excellent pollster, and Macy, our incredible graphic designer, got everything done in you know one day. It was so fast. really fantastic. So we have a great team here. We're lucky to have them. Uh, this is a lot. You know, you see the final product, but it takes a lot of time to get to that final product. And you know, without the team that that I have doing that, I don't. We would not get it done so quickly. Yeah, releasing a poll right after you get back from the holidays is not for the faint of heart, which is, I think, why I have such puffy eyes right now. But uh, we made it. It is out in the world. You can see it now. And Mark and I will sleep for the next 48 hours. So thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for supporting. Visit BeaconPoll.com. You won't regret it. Let us know what you think. For the Beacon Center of Tennessee, this has been Decaf. If you don't already, you should subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll catch you next week.